Welcome to the Causey Consulting Podcast. You can find us online anytime at CauseyConsultingLLC.com. And now, here's your host, Sarah Causey. Hello, hello, and thanks for tuning in. I wanted to hop on and record a quick bonus episode to say, the cat's out of the bag now. Some of the things that I have been warning you about on this podcast, as well as over on Patreon and on my public blog, are finally being revealed. It's like the curtain is being pulled back so that you can see the Wizard of Oz now. And uh, there's times in life where being vindicated sucks. And this is one of them. On August 5th in the New York Post, there was an article titled, Malcolm Gladwell Slams Working From Home. What have you reduced your life to? Hmm. Now, there's a flurry of work from home hit pieces slash return to office fluff pieces coming out. And this is another place where I'm going to sit back and say, mm, I warned y'all, I warned y'all this was coming. You know, corporate America hasn't exactly buried its thesis that it really and truly wants you to come on back to the office. And I'm going to read from this New York Post article now. Author Malcolm Gladwell thinks that remote work is hurting society and that a recession will likely drive employees who are sitting in their pajamas back into the office, end quote. I'm not even going to go any further than that for the time being. Please, please understand. He says a recession will likely drive employees who are sitting in their pajamas back into the office. Have I not been saying that for quite some time now? Have I not been warning you? that corporate America would use an economic downturn to its advantage, and that would very much include RTO if that's what they wanted. Now we're here. It doesn't matter the nomenclature, okay? It doesn't matter if you want to call it an economic contraction, a downturn, a recession, a depression, a bacon, Reagan, Palestine, terror on the airlines, <laughs> whatever, whatever you want to label this economic downturn as, it really is inconsequential. If you thought that corporate America would not use it to its own advantage, I don't know what to tell you. If you thought that some of these individuals who've just been sort of sitting on the sidelines waiting for a reason to tell everybody you better come on back, you get your butt back in that seat, in that cube farm, in that digital panopticon, or else. Uh, if you didn't see this coming, where have you been? What content have you been consuming? Who have you been hanging out with? Where are you getting your news from? What's going on? And I'm being sincere. I'm not trying to be a jerk in asking you that question. I'm, I'm asking you sincerely. Like, if you feel that you're behind the eight ball, it's way past time to wake up. The good news is you can wake up at any point. The bad news is you just might have more catch-up to play than people who have been aware for all this time. Now I'll continue to read from this New York Post article now. The best-selling author of Blink and the Tipping Point grew emotional and shed tears as he told the Diary of a CEO podcast hosted by Stephen Bartlett that people need to come into the office in order to regain a sense of belonging and to feel part of something larger than themselves. It's very hard to feel necessary when you're physically disconnected, the Canadian writer said. As we face the battle that all organizations are facing now in getting people back into the office, it's really hard to explain this core psychological truth which is we want you to have a feeling of belonging and to feel necessary, end quote. Mm -hmm. In a lot of these RTO fluff pieces slash work from home hit pieces, you're going to notice a trend here of these words like belonging 
and necessary. One of the things that I will ask on a public blog post this week is, why do those things need to come from your job? What is this American or Western world fascination that we have with every flipping thing in your life being defined by your job? Why can a sense of belonging and a sense of feeling necessary not come existentially from who you are as a person? Whether you want to believe that's a gift from God, a gift from nature, a gift from whatever, Why does your sense of belonging and necessity have to come from your job? Why? Why can it not come from your family, your friends, if you're religious or not religious? I mean, there are groups and social gatherings for atheists. Why can your sense of belonging and feeling necessary not come from things of that nature? Why does it have to come from a J-O-B? Isn't that curious? Do you not find that a bit disturbing? Because I do. I'll continue to read. It's not in your best interest to work from home, he said. I know it's a hassle to come into the office, but if you're just sitting in your pajamas in your bedroom, is that the work life that you want to live? Don't you want to feel part of something? Gladwell added, I'm really getting very frustrated with the inability of people in positions of leadership to explain this effectively to their employees. If we don't feel like we're part of something important, what's the point, he said. If it's just a paycheck, Then it's like, what have you reduced your life to? End quote. Let me tell you something, (laughs) buddy boy. There are times in life when you have to work a J-O-B in order to get a salary and benefits because that's what you need in order to survive. Now, I, I, okay, all right, I'm fixing to do it. Fixing to go into Michael Corleone mode when Connie drags up Merle. I don't know this author. I don't know what he lives on. It's not my place to make any judgments about him as a person. I'm strictly being critical of the content that I'm finding in this article by the New York Post. And yeah, I don't, I don't know if he's ever been working poor. I have. I don't know if he's ever been in a situation where he only had pennies left to his name and that was it. I mean, I, I don't know. But when you're in that situation and you need to work, you were living paycheck to paycheck. And in order to keep a roof over your head and food in your stomach, you need to work. It may not be that you're living the dream. Going to work may not be all about finding belonging and community and buying into the mission. It might be about being able to go to the grocery store and feed yourself and your family. It may be being able to buy laundry soap or bath soap. You know, it feels really good after you've been outside digging in the dirt and sweating to come in and be able to take a shower with soap. You know, sometimes we forget how important the basics are. Being able to turn on the faucet and have warm water come out and have a bar of soap to be able to get clean and wash the grime and the sweat off. Sometimes in life, the simple things can bring us a lot of joy. And I just find it arrogant and elitist for somebody to act like, well, if you're sitting at home in your pajamas and you're working on a laptop, then there's something just really beneath about all of that. Is that what you want your work life to be like? Is that what you want it to be reduced to? And it's like, mm-hmm, okay, all right, sure. You know, I do think back to Gary Staubel using the analogy of space dust. I have been critical before about these third-party contingency-based staffing agencies because so much of what you work on, when you live that life, and I have been in the belly of that beast, let me tell you. I really have. When, when so much of what you work on evaporates and turns into space dust, it is very frustrating. So I'm not saying that exercises in futility can't be emotionally exhausting. After a while, if you're just putting up L after L after L, you need a win. 
You want to do something that actually comes to fruition, that actually comes to completion. So I'm not trying to diminish any of that. I'm more so being critical of this idea, this condescending, in my opinion, idea that if you're hanging out at the house in casual clothing or pajamas and you're working on a laptop and you're not butt in seat in an office, if we were on Patreon, I would have gotten a little bit more graphic there. I had to rein it back in. Um, And I will turn this into a longer, more fleshed out episode because I think that cult-like tactics used in corporate America are becoming a lot more obvious, or at least they should be. So I want to do some whistleblowing on that. But it, to me, it's just condescending and arrogant to act like, you you know, if, if you want to work in casual clothing and be by yourself, you don't want to be bought into a mission. You don't want to come in and, and sit in a boardroom and be like, one of us, one of us in a dress suit. Then there's something wrong with you. There's something bad about that. Like, who the hell are you to make that judgment on anybody? Like, seriously, what what gives you the right to tell somebody who's perfectly happy working in jeans and a T-shirt at the house that they're less than you. I'm going to scroll down and keep reading. Gladwell's message would likely be well-received by New York Mayor Eric Adams and San Francisco Mayor London Breed, the leaders of two cities that were hardest hit by the coronavirus pandemic. Both cities have urged workers in finance, tech, and other sectors to return to the office in order to support small businesses that rely on foot traffic. End quote. Yeah, so aren't those two cities that have had a major mass exodus? (laughs) Just saying. Um, continue to read. Shake Shack, the fast food chain, told investors that its sales missed Wall Street forecasts because the rate at which office workers are returning to their cubicles has slowed. Wowie, woo, wee, wow, it's your fault. You, as the American worker, mm, I'm about to, I'm fixing to start singing Pink Houses again. It's a simple man, baby. It's going to pay for the thrills and the bills and the pills that kill. Mm-hmm, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault as the American worker. That Shake Shack did not achieve its Wall Street forecast because you dirty SOBs did not go back into the cubicle. (laughs) Who believes this? Who believes this? God, I'm getting a headache. All right, I'll continue to read. Castle Systems, the security company, released a report which found that the office occupancy in 10 major U.S. metro areas averaged 44% in the week Uh, ending July 27th, according to Bloomberg News. In San Francisco, an estimated one-third of the city's workforce is remote. City officials said that remote work costed $400 million in tax revenues last year. Hmm, wonder if that could be part of this push. (laughs) New York is second to San Francisco when it comes to office vacancy rates. Earlier this year, Castle Systems found that New York's office occupancy rate stood at just 36%. Tech companies and financial giants are hesitant to force employees back into the office for fear that workers could quit their jobs in in favor of others that offer more flexibility, end quote. That'll go on for a while, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, what he says, what's, what's put up there front and center, the first line of this article, that a recession will likely drive employees who are sitting in their pajamas back into the office. People get ready. I think that's what's on the horizon. I really do. I really do. I think we're going to see more companies become emboldened. You come on back or it's your job. But they're going to wait. That's the thing. They're not going to do it when we're getting these fluff piece job reports about unemployment. It's, well, it's not 3.6% anymore. It's 3.5%. 
The recovery from the coronavirus pandemic is complete. People are doing great. Now, they're opening up more credit card accounts than ever. Household debt is at a high, but, you know, that's not a red flag. That's not a red flag because people still have jobs, and so everything's fine. They're, they're not going to just completely pull the curtain all the way back until things are really bad. I don't, I, that's just my opinion, and I could be wrong. Like Dennis Miller has always said that, you know, that this is just my theories, just my opinions. I think what they will do is they'll wait until it's super obvious that unemployment is high. And then that's when it will be like um, the carrot and the stick. Right now, I think they're dangling the carrot in front of people. But soon, whenever it's revealed that <laughs> unemployment's higher than what we've been letting on to y'all peons and plebs, <laughs> sorry about you, that's when we'll get the stick. That's when people will be told outright, RTO or it's your job. We don't care. We don't care about your situation. Uh, unemployment's high. Jobs are scarce. There's a lot of competition for them. So, you know, if you want that salary and benefits, then you're going to have to come all back. And all of this kind of glitter and veneer, to me, that's what a lot of it is. It's, it's corporate cult speak that they're using as a veneer uh, right now. The belonging and the community and getting bought into the mission. <laughs> all, that, all of that corporate cult speak is being used as a veneer. This is part of the carrot. Come on back so you can belong. Come on back so you can have community. Come on back so your meaningless little life will have purpose again by being button seat in the office. Just go ahead and come on back. And then if you don't do it with the carrot, later on comes the stick. Can't give you advice. This is not advice of any kind. Just out here, sometimes I feel like I'm on a desert island called Common Sensia, <laughs> called Wake Up, Wake Up a Stan. Um, just, just opining, just staring at the wall, opining for your entertainment. Stay safe, stay sane out there, and I'll see you in the next episode. If you want more, if you want a little bit more bang for your buck, go on over to Patreon. Put a couple bucks in the kitty, get you some uncensored information, and have a great day. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you haven't already, please take a quick second to subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.